Okay, Delon, if you had to guess, what would you say is my favorite memory of you and I? Your favorite memory? Ooh, yes. That's hard. I mean, we've been <laughs> friends for like 20 years. My favorite yeah, memory. There's uh, a lot. God. I, I, don't, I don't even know where to start. I don't know where to start. Okay, I will give you a hint. The hint is Jerry's class. <laughs> girl yes wait that that is the memory that is the exact okay memory. okay i know people listening are like what is wrong with them okay so let's just paint the picture this was our sophomore year of college we were in movement class which ugh, let's just talk about how stupid that class was oh god god don't get me started i mean you know jerry's dead <laughs> like oh, RIP like, Jerry. Jerry Schweiber like totally R. I. P. passed. RIP Jerry. If you were here, I would tell you to your fucking face that class was bullshit. She would. She's just shitting okay, wait, on but the dead. For anyone that doesn't, because okay, we went to acting school together. I think the average person's not going to know what movement class is well like, yeah what? i mean it's it, it, you're right it was a dumb class i mean especially that class partially because mm -hmm. of jerry and his teaching style the, the goal of the class was to teach you how to use your body as an actor in space and you're basically mm -hmm. in that class specifically we're paying thousands of dollars basically to learn <laughs> tai chi which was <laughs> we were like crawling around on the floor and shit it ridiculous. was i truly have yet to use anything in that class on an acting job but i digress so you and I were in movement <laughs> and I remember, I don't know what we were doing, but I was laying on the floor, pelvis up like I was at the gyno and we were just cracking up because we were trying to sing that Janet Jackson song from the Nutty Professor. <laughs> The only word, nutty, nutty, nutty. What is the, what words is she singing? Nobody knows. No one, no one knows what she is saying in I'm that song. And huge fans, but. Huge fans. But that is why it was so funny. And I honestly, I felt like I was on drugs. We were laughing so freaking hard. And like disrupting the whole damn class. Thank you, oh, Ms. Jackson. I'm everyone for real. was like, excuse me, I'm trying to do my pelvic lifts in this oh. class. And we were just cracking up. So funny. Ooh. Wait, wait, no, no, no. Uh, listen, no. Uh, listen, 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 listen. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I hate you for that. Uh, let me fix it. Well, welcome back to Let Me Fix It, the podcast where we reminisce about the college education we still haven't paid for. <laughs> I'm Delon Grant. Oh, and I'm for Jessica Ramsey. And today's trip down memory lane was brought to you by the University of Michigan, where Delon and I famously met while we were both in acting school way back in 2000. <clears throat> 2002 yeah. where where the hell has the time gone though I, I like i truly had no idea though at the time my little 18 year old brain that the university of michigan like had such a reputation until i was there and obviously since graduating but like francesca your mom was a u of m alum right that is correct. My mother is the reason that I applied. She was a proud alumni. Also very cool. Um, my mother and I both lived in the same dormitory. Did you on, really? Yes, my mother was on North Campus. I was in North Campus in Bursley Hall. Um, but in addition to Lerna, myself and you, there are a lot of really successful alumni from University of Michigan. I know Darren Chris is someone from our era that like immediately comes to mind, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, Darren, people might know him from 
Glee. Uh, he also has a Golden Globe. Uh, oh, oh from... shit, he does. Yo, yeah. snaps to you, Darren. I forgot about that. <laughs> I know. Darren is clearly listening. Um, <laughs> he's very successful. Um, if you've watched the other two on HBO Max, Helena York is another alum. Um, we also have the mega famous James Earl Jones, Selma Blair, Lucy Liu, David Allen Greer. Michael Phelps, he was there when we were there. He was? He was. <laughs> That's when he was winning all of his, his like gold medals is when oh, he was like had... at U of M. You know I don't do sports. But oh, girl, tell me about shout it. Shout out to you, Michael Phelps, eating those 9,000 calorie meals. Okay. Also, uh, never saw him on campus. So did he go? <laughs> Question mark. I don't know. Um, also, Francesca Ramsey. Yo, Ooh. let's talk about Ooh. it. Like in all these years since we've met, 20 fucking one years. Do the oh math. Count it. Yeah. Count it. It's crazy. I have to say, yo, we, we've done really well for, himself, for mm -hmm, ourselves. Mm -hmm. you, you've been all over TV as an actor and a writer, superstore, I Carly, MTV, Comedy Central, and you know, he's been on Broadway, and by he, I mean me. <laughs> yes, we gotta do that third person. He's a working actor, and you have a whole ass master's in musical theater, and sure you've do. been on many a national tour. Mm -hmm. um, we're, we're doing quite well for ourselves, right? We would, and 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 who could forget the hit podcast? <laughs> Hell Come yeah, on. you better say it in present tense. That's right. Everyone has a podcast. Uh, uh, so for today's episode, we thought we'd, we'd, it'd be fun to revisit our past and what we learned in our acting school days and how we would make the program better if given a chance. So uh, let's dive in. Acting school. Let me fix it. If you'll indulge me, just a little bit of a contextual history lesson here. I'm an acting nerd. I love the craft. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're talking about acting school, theater school, theater training, it's important that we talk about its origins. So Fran, mm -hmm. do you have any idea who created the modern version of acting school? Ooh, okay. I definitely took theater history, so I should know this. But the only name that I can think of is Uta Hagen. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't remember what she did or who she was, <laughs> but I just loved like Uda. Uda, Uda, Uda. It sounds like... <laughs> It sounds like she should be in like a in like a cipher, like in a rap battle or something. I don't know what she did. She was definitely a white woman. But, to me, uh, Uta Hagen sounds like a, a like a German f dish that you eat. Mm. Yes, that's the Uta. I'll do a small order of Uta Hagen. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Uta Hagen. Um, she was a famous act actress, Uta Hagen, and an even more famous teacher. You know, shout out to Deborah Headwall, one of my acting teachers, who was one of her students. Um, but I'm I'm talking about. About, like the modern godfather of acting training. Yeah, I don't know. Konstantin San Stanislavski. Can I say it? Konstantin Stanislavski <laughs> is credited with creating the acting school we know. So who was Stanislavski? He was this Russian performer director who lived from the end of the 19th century to the beginning of the 20th century. And none of us would have studied that technique of acting that we do without him and his work. He was the first notable practitioner to push for the psychological realism and natural mm. acting that we see actors on TV and theater and film using today. Okay, okay, so he is essentially the man responsible for mumblecore. Whenever the girls are <laughs> me, 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 I put those captions on. I don't know what y'all are saying, but it's natural. I feel like if he came back from the dead, he'd be like, what the fuck is happening? For, <laughs> what are y'all saying? What are you saying? I mean, all she was Russian, so what? Um, yeah. So before film and TV were even a thing, right? The only way you consumed entertainment was via theater. But those shows where they were two-dimensional, vaudeville, song and dance variety shows, either that or they were like extremely predictable, formulaic melodramas, right? You were yeah. a hero or a villain or a, a damsel or a matron, but 
Stanislavski, he ushered in the system that focused on like the in-depth exploration of a character's psyche. Yo, I love this shit. I love it. I love it. I love it. He also pioneered the use of theater and rehearsal studios as laboratories used to innovate the actor training, aka the first modern acting school. Okay. Oh. Okay. Wow, you are you are a theater nerd. He's an actor. Yo, hire a motherfucker to teach you (laughs) to teach your university. Okay, so my question for you is, how did you end up at the University of Michigan's acting program? Was that your top school? Did you audition anywhere else? I know you were doing acting in high school, but like, give us the backstory. Yeah, I'm from a small town in northern Minnesota called Duluth, Minnesota. It's so funny, I remember coming home from high school one day and telling my mom, I'm applying to college. And my mom was like, oh, Oh, yeah, yeah, you should do that. Just because my mom never went to college, I'm one of few people in my family up to that point who had gone to college or were thinking about going to college. So I had a lot of guidance counselors and teachers holding my hand along the way. I didn't even know that you could study theater as a major. Um, But there's always a teacher, right? Liz Larson was my theater teacher in high school. She was a mentor. She became a second mom. She held my hand throughout the entire experience. So I didn't know where I was going to apply. I only applied to three schools, one in Chicago, Wisconsin, and one in Michigan. Michigan, all in the Midwest. Um, I got accept- accepted to this small school in Wisconsin, and they gave me a really big scholarship. So I was like, okay, that's where I'm going. But I still had my U of M audition set up. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go anyway. You know, who knows? Um, and when I went to the campus and I, I, for the audition, I looked around and I was like, oh, my. It's just so beautiful. Do you remember that? Yeah. It's, it's like a, It's like the college that you see when you watch, like, a movie, yes. like a coming-of-age story. It's like the quad and the leaves the are changing leaves. colors. Yes. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's like, very like you, TV. Remember when we went on the sidebar? Remember when we went on that first Mexican vacation to Cancun and, mm-hmm. like, we couldn't take a bad picture and the, the resort yeah. was, like, janky? Even though the resort was a shithole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's that. It's that. Like, you could not take a bad picture of it. So, mm-hmm. quickly after the audition, U of M became my top school. And I wanted to get out of my hometown so bad. And I went to Ann Arbor and I was like, look at all these black people. Look at all these gay people. That's true. It was like more than I'd ever experienced. I grew up in a very white place. So, I was I was ready. Like, it was my top, it became my top school really, really quickly. But not for you, huh? How did you end up there? Yeah. So, I went to performing arts middle and high school. I knew I wanted to do acting like from a really young age and our school was all about like you are going to college for acting like Mm. it was very much driven into us Um, and there are a lot of notable alumni from my school probably the most famous is Eric Andre the comedian but the young man that was on Oh my God! Wait, what is? I can't remember the name of that show. Modern Family. He played this. He played like the boyfriend of the daughter in Modern Family. Okay. He went to Dreyfus. There was like there's a bunch of working actors that went to my high school. So it was very much like you're going to college for acting. And so we went to Chicago. I think my senior year, and we auditioned for a bunch of acting schools in Chicago. Mm. It was super fun. My mom actually went on the trip as a chaperone, and we went to the Jerry Springer show, which was no. hilarious. We- <laughs> yes, I- we we Wait, did. you were auditioning for theater school and they took you to the, the Jerry Springer yeah, show? Yeah, so so like you go to like this, it was at like a hotel or a convention center or something and that you could audition like for all of, yeah. yeah, you could audition for a bunch of colleges and so we were doing a bunch of like, you know, sightseeing and, and there was also Jerry Springer and my mom went with us. I'll never forget 
my mom was so embarrassed to be there that she sat like right under the camera operator so she wouldn't be on camera she was like mm-hmm, this is the spot <laughs> you're not gonna catch me slipping <laughs> um, we had a really great time um we also snuck alcohol into our hotel and got wasted sorry mom oh my god <laughs> there, are, there are definitely pictures of me puking in a hallway with all of my classmates laughing at me and meanwhile um, she like has a monologue to do tomorrow what <laughs> i honestly just unhinged in hindsight and u of m was not my top choice i really wanted to go to north carolina school of the arts um i had gone to their summer acting program but i didn't get in and i also auditioned for marymount manhattan i think i also auditioned for fsu so i knew i wanted to go to acting school but michigan gave me a scholarship yo um and that's <laughs> just go where the money is so that's where i was at i heard you i heard you they gave me a little one too but um not that much uh <laughs> b- before we dig into all of the machinations of our acting school experience let's take a tiny break and we'll be right back i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And we're back. So we both had acting experience before we got to college, but... It was still a bit of a culture shock, right? Like going from being like the big fish in your small pond, mm-hmm. the best actor, to starting all over from square one. Um, so, I mean, you went to North Carolina School of the Arts for a summer camp. You had a performing arts high school. Did you feel like you were fully prepared to go to acting school? Oh, yeah. I Honestly, I had a massive chip on my shoulder. Ah. I was like, I don't need to be here. Like, <laughs> Not that I don't need to be here, but... You know, like when you're in school and your teacher is kind of like laying the foundation, because there were people in our class who had never, not that they'd never done acting, but they were going to schools where maybe they didn't have like a extreme acting focus. Yeah, um, me. Just like... <laughs> Yeah, just like more natural raw talent and I oh man I mean we'll we will get into this but like Francesca was Francesca was not kind she was spicy she was was spicy (laughs) and I mean listen it's and you know like you you would bite into the sauce and you'd be like oh wait there's still a bone in there that's what I mean Mm, by spicy (laughs) you know what it was it was it was it was insecurity totally plain and simple But I really, you know, we would be in class and I just was having this feeling of like, I know this stuff. Like I went to like, I went to acting school. Like I studied in middle and high school. Like I know all this stuff. And I felt frustrated by just some of the like rudimentary things. I mean, it's redundant crawling around on the ground right i was yeah. like why the fuck are we doing this <laughs> yeah <laughs> what about you did you feel prepared for acting school i mean i had like my theater teacher for, in high school was a professional actor for a long time so like there was a I, I felt like we were pushed very hard in high school but i got there and i just felt like a uh i no no <laughs> the, really? the, well i just felt insecure in a lot of ways and the way my insecurity manifested itself was like to crawl inside myself yeah. i will also say this like I just didn't know what I was doing. I thought when we were going to acting school, it was like for all of theater. I didn't even realize that musical theater and and acting were two different different things. things. So when I got there and I looked at the curriculum, I was like, where's the dancing? 
Where's the singing? Yeah, well, and, and also, like, oh, man, when we were in school, and they were called the MTs. Oh, and, oh right. It was, the, it was the elitism. Oh, it was such elitism. And so I'm sure that that was also kind of jarring for you to think, like, oh, we're all in this together, High School Musical 3. And totally. then you get there, and it's like, we're the musical theater kids, and you're the... <laughs> You stand over there. We're over here. Like it was very divisive. It was very. I don't understand why it was. It, and their program still to this day is is mm-hmm. such a well known, uh, uh, famed program in terms yeah. of training uh, musical theater actors and performers. But it just felt so. It felt so weird to have a strong divide. Um, yeah. And it, what was so interesting is our class. So our freshman class was considered big, which is so interesting because there was like what. 20 kids in it 22. and everyone was like everyone was like your class is ginormous <laughs> 22 students is not big I, you know i'll say this though like our class like i guess dynamic in terms mm-hmm. of it was i mean there were a lot of gay kids you know because there always <laughs> are but um i tried to think about like was it diverse it was me fran courtney courtney me, that Fran, was, and Courtney. That oh, and then it. and then there there was another girl who came later, another black girl who came like oh, sophomore um, year. Malika, Malika, Malika. Yeah. So so that was it. And then everybody was white. Like, well, well, and Raina White, who is currently on Broadway, she was a kind. She was kind of a BFA, but lower than us. But she I don't was, know in she was in musical theater, class. though, right? She auditioned. It's so crazy. That woman's voice is unreal. I would hear her walk by her dorm and hear her singing. And no, they rejected her. They didn't. They didn't accept you, her. Okay, so okay, this is this is a perfect segue. One of the things that blows my mind to this day about acting school is the people that everybody thought were the stars in acting school aren't acting anymore. Talk the about people it. who could not book a role are the ones on fucking TV, with the exception of one or two people. Me. There are a few people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on TV. You, there's like you, Beth, Maureen. Right, right. There's a few people that you were like, oh, that person's a star. But then there were other people who, again, Raina is a great example, super talented. Darren Chris was not in musical theater, but no. people know him because of Glee as a musical theater kid. Yeah. But he could not get into musical theater. I mean, it, it's just a reminder that you're in this bubble. You're in this microcosm when you're mm. in acting school. And dare I say, any artistic program, that's not a real reflection of the industry it's so um, at large. But in the moment, I mean, man, it was just so cutthroat. Well, um, I have a theory that like those people who didn't get cast, because that was always a big thing. You didn't get cast mm-hmm. in shows. And that was like a measure of your value for the department or as an actor or a performer. Those people had to work hard at school yeah. and then they got out and they were still working that hard. They were just bulldogs, you know? They weren't sitting, they weren't resting on their laurels. They exactly. weren't like, yeah, I'm the big dog. Right. Yeah, no, you're totally right. I, I agree with that. Let's let's talk about our freshman year. Um, I, I kind of hinted at it, but were we, f- would you describe us as friends freshman year? Silence. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is he frozen? <laughs> Uh, friends, uh, just to cut Francesca out of the conversation, we were not friends. But I didn't, I did not like you. It's just that Fran is to this day. I'm literally not even talking to you anymore. Fran is to this day one of the funniest people I know, one of the smartest, one of the quickest people I know. 
that is a along with like your level a of insecurity it can be a was like for bitchery. it was a recipe for bitchery it was like yeah. you just could cut somebody down so quick and i was like yeah i'm just gonna stand clear of her i'll like be nice but like i'm not gonna like try to hang out because i don't want to me and my insecurity being like Ooh, don't make fun of me don't like you know yeah i will i will admit wholeheartedly i came in my freshman year and 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 a friend of ours who i'm friends with to this day she and i really latched onto each other and you know how sometimes when you meet somebody and you you can kind of like feed each other's ego totally. in, in a negative way I think we were, again, we were both just really insecure and we kind of were, were very clicky and we were just like, we're the cool kids and everyone else is not cool. And mm -hmm. it's safety. It definitely, it, it, was a, it was definitely a safety measure. And it's so funny because I remember that part of myself, but at the same time, freshman year is kind of hazy in mm. that you and I were in classes together, but like, I don't remember us talking at all or hanging out. Like, I, or, I don't remember us like really interacting at all freshman year. I know, and I, I mean, it's it's the safety thing, right? I had another friend of ours, Michaela, uh, and I were got really close, and so that was my she was my like little person that I could hang on to, both Minnesotans, and and um, but you know, obviously that evolves and changes because here we are, twenty years later, you're my yeah. best friend in the world, la la la. Yeah. So what were some of the classes that we, that because we mentioned movement, right. um, and I, I think it's always interesting to talk about these classes for people who've never studied acting because they sound like made up almost because well, and you're like so all over the place. What does that entail, right? So the movement class, obviously how your body moves in space, but there's also voice class, which isn't singing voice, it's speaking voice. And mm -hmm. to your point about crawling around on the floor, I remember one of the first <laughs> things thinking like, yo, I'm paying 38, 38,000 fucking dollars and I'm laying on the floor pretending pretending to be bacon. I remember mm -hmm. one of our first acting classes. Voice class was the same fucking thing for me. I remember freshman year I was like, why am I over here jiggling my ass and yeah. screaming? But mm -hmm. then fast forward to my junior year when I like had a big role and I was doing warm-ups and stuff and now I'm like fucking give me the acting training give me the and class and you're doing yeah, all yeah. of the jiggling and it just made sense it like clicked but my 18 year old mm -hmm. self couldn't get for two years honestly for the first two years I was like why am I still fucking oh, and like <laughs> yawning and screaming and like sh and like holding your belly and like shaking I just remember <laughs> I remember there was a moment in voice class where we were like crouching down and Annette Masson, RIP, she was telling us to like breathe out and like squeeze our, our like butt <laughs> and somebody <laughs> farted. <laughs> Obviously. I'm sorry, I'm a 12 year old. I was dying. It's too much pressure. I do. I do. <laughs> and listen, it was probably me because I remember you weren't there for a senior year, but we had a clown class. It was right after lunch and my clown farted every day. <laughs> And it became an ongoing joke. <laughs> that was I your digress. clown tree. Well, that's a that's a that is a good uh, segue. We definitely had clown class, uh, where like each person had to have like a trait, and you had to like. It, that was one of the hardest classes I've ever had to take. And actually, I will say this: it taught me that comedy is not about being funny. Mm, comedy less in is terms more. of acting. Comedy is about commitment. I mean, yeah. you are a comedy writer, so you're looking for a pun, you're looking for a punchline. Yes. But in terms of like an actor, like don't try to be funny, just like commit to fucking what you're doing and yeah. the shit will be funny. 
One of my favorite classes was stage combat. Mm-hmm. We definitely like learned how to fight, which is really cool. What was your and, What was your favorite weapon to fight with? Ooh, I really liked. I guess it was like a baton. Of oh, some the sort? quarterstaff. Yeah, you just. I I felt like I was in like a fucking. I don't know, Lord of the Rings or something. Like a like, Star Wars, like wah, wah, like wah. I needed some elf ears or something. You know what I mean? Like I just, I, it was just get so out of here, Liv cool. Tyler. <laughs> yes, please put me in a film where I can fight with a stick. Yeah. Um, so I love stage combat, but like you also kind of had to do some like pantomime things in there, like hand to hand stuff. Hand to hand was really masking like the the sound of a punch, the sound of a slap was so. Oh cool. yeah, where you like hit your chest at the same time that you throw a punch yeah it's what i forget what that's called it's not sleight of hand but it's like i guess it's just masking there's another name for it but like yeah. so the audience doesn't see you hit your own body oh yeah that was so fun because especially to your earlier point about you know comedy and, and acting and acting being reacting i loved like being able to act as if you'd been punched where you're like ah! <laughs> and, and you like pretend like drool is blood's coming off of your face and yeah. like the, the, the best part is like when you hit and like you grab your face and then you come back and look at the other person dramatically like what the fuck do you do to like, me like how dare Here you I fucking come. i knew you were gonna punch me but i'm still so offended <laughs> right one of the things that i i do have a distinct memory about with our scene study acting class our freshman mm-hmm. year was that like you know not to go into your whole psyche you had like a really hard time with one of the exercises Oh, yeah. Because um, it was all about, like, accessing things. But, like, some of it, I will say, did go a little too far. It felt exploitative. You know, for me, acting was always about having fun and inventing characters and, like, immersing yourself into this different world. And I remember in our scene study class, our teacher had us, like, telling personal stories. And I don't remember what the prompt was, but it was something along the lines of, like, you know, tell... Uh, time that was like really difficult for you and people were revealing some really intimate shit in there and I was like I'm not comfortable with this like people were crying and and you know in the interest of privacy we're not going to go into things people were sharing but it was it was stuff that you needed to share with a therapist That's what I'm and, saying. Not, and not with your acting class. So when it was my turn, I was like, my last one, great. I'm not- <laughs> this is one of the things, again, I say this all the time. I will sing your praises to the, till we are dead and gone. But like you have had a sense of self. And I mean, we're all insecure, all that stuff. You haven't had a sense of self from a very young age. And I do remember this moment you were like, no, I'm not doing that. No. And, I, and here's the thing. I had stuff I could have shared, but... To your point, I didn't feel like anybody was owed access. Yes. Especially, like, we didn't really know each other like that. And again, I will never forget some of the things people shared in that class. And then you would be doing a monologue, and Daryl would be like, think about your cat dying. Like, <gasps> no. <laughs> also, you're right, because you're. it's like being weaponized. Instead of me going home and figuring out how to ac- access that stuff on my own, mm-hmm. I've now done it in public in, like, the trauma Olympics of it all, right? Yeah. And now everyone knows my shit, and then... And it, and then there's like just judgment around it like oh you can't go there oh, I guess your cat dying wasn't good enough right right and also like I would also add to that if you and I are in a scene one thing that I, I remember from acting school is this idea that your job is to make your scene partner look good like Ready? it's not about me like I'm there to service you and if we're in a scene and I'm fucking thinking about my cat dying I'm not in the scene Yo. I'm not here with you anymore I'm off reliving a moment 
to help me access tears. No, I, I want to embody this character and listen to what my scene partner is saying and think, oh, you're helping me get there because I, I feel the feelings or, you know, or whatever is happening. And don't get me started, but like that work of like, if you need to go access shit from your somebody dying, your cat, whatever, that is you work that you need to do over there. Mm -hmm. When we're mm -hmm. on stage, when we're in a scene, I need you to be here doing what our characters are supposed to be doing. It's like you said, right. it's always, don't give me my acting teacher hat on, it's always about the other person. You're yes. always trying to get something from the other person. And if you're thinking about how do I cry, first of all, nobody, no real person actually wants to cry. We try to stop no. ourselves from crying. And when you actually cry in real life, it's rarely because you're thinking about something else. Thank you're you. thinking about what's happening in the moment and it's bringing up that emotion for you. Right. To jump to one of my favorite classes, not uh, theater history. Do you remember oh, that? Oh God. That was one of that was probably one of the few classes that I came close to like maybe a C in and I was really devastated over it. It's just a lot of like dates and names and Again, I definitely, in hindsight, feel like I had a block in terms of how I was approaching acting school, mm. where I was having a lot of like, I don't understand why we're doing this. What mm. does this have to do with acting? Like, um, you know, what, what, when do we get to the acting part? Like, when is the fun part? <laughs> Listen, you know? always, always, that's what we're here for, right? The other <laughs> stuff is just like a stepping stone to get me to where I want to be. But yeah. even, I think like they needed just a different approach to the theater history. It's like, it's so fucking academic to get a bunch of kids or people who really are like, yo, I just want to be, you know, in the, in rehearsal, figuring it out. Like that's when, you know, if you want to do a Greek tragedy or, or talk about Greek drama let's do a greek tragedy and then incorporate theater history in that so that it, yeah. like, it sticks with us you know yeah yeah it definitely felt like learn all these names and dates and then we're going to quiz you on it and or you're going to have to write a paper and like to your point about like the connective tissue mm -hmm. to the work that we ended up wanting to do wasn't really there i will say one thing that i really loved is we had like a what, what's called a wheel where even though we were in the acting program we also had to do costuming mm -hmm. and we also had to do set design and we also had to do lighting and i think this is something that I wish was incorporated across all programs mm -hmm. and dare I say in the workplace today talk about because it. I think you really need an appreciation of what other folks in the production or in your company are doing yes and I always loved you know I've always been crafty I always loved costuming I always loved set stuff but it really gave you an appreciation for like yo these motherfuckers are working like this is hard work well and also like I you know I also was granted work study because I grew up poor and like was on Pell Grants and all that kind of stuff so uh I had to do work study and it was just because we'd already done that wheel where I worked in the prop shop and the costume shop um freshman year I just stuck with the costumes because it just seemed like the most, the lowest hanging fruit. I worked in the costume shop all four years and I know, I now know how to sew. I have a skills based on mm -hmm. that. And to your point, an appreciation for what they do. So like in, you know, Broadway shows that I've been in and on tours or regional productions, I have a reverence for what costume people do and, and them washing my underwear and all of that kind of stuff, because I yeah. realize the hours that that is put into it. And, and also like the, the extent to which they go to make you feel comfortable in your costumes yeah. right and it's and it's thankless right 100%. like people are watching the show and they're thinking wow he was so good sometimes they're thinking the costumes are amazing but if the costumes are really good it's almost like second 
it's almost second fiddle to the acting, right? Where like yeah. it immerses you in the world. You mm-hmm. love it so much. The sets are incredible. You're not going like, I wonder how they made that flat. No, you're just like, okay, now we're in a brothel. Now we're in a, the woods, whatever it is. Right. And they're thinking about minute details, you know? So freshman year, we were both cast. We in- were in a show and I mean god the story I, I have such a story from this fucking show but tell me I don't me, have any I have no stories from the show who like, were you truly. in the show were you the oh, we, the lady okay, with we the were flowers in, we, who were we you? were in Streetcar Named Desire and I believe that I was a sex worker <laughs> walking around with some flowers I had no lines and this also just speaks to the resentment I was feeling for this fucking program. Because I was like, I have to be at this rehearsal. I ain't got no lines. Mm-mm. And I'm just walking around in the background. And 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 who were you? You had you had some lines. I mean, forgive. I think I, the character's name is it's it's a Latino name. I think it might have been Pablo or something like mm-hmm. that. But it, I did ha- I did have lines. Um, I remember in tech, this is the same acting teacher who made us yes. share personal stories. Who problematic, but he was directing and the streetcar. And it's probably dead. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I really hope not. Um, I hope you're I hope you're doing well out there, Daryl. Um, <laughs> I hope your I hope your little dreads are still hanging on by a thread. <laughs> Just listen. At some point, oh, you gotta give it up. At some, at some point, at some point, if your dreads are in another time zone, you need to leave them alone. <laughs> Wait, he had a nineteen for a nineteen head. The forehead was all the way back to the back of the cranium, and had the dregs of a dreadlock. Oh my mm-hmm. god, so funny. Anyway, we're in tech, and tech rehearsal is where you you set the costumes, you set the lights, and you just get on stage and you figure out what the actual uh, after being in a rehearsal room what the actual production is going to look like. We're in tech, and this director had given us at this card table contradictory direction and I couldn't take it anymore and I was like uh, I stopped the rehearsal I didn't stop the rehearsal I just asked a question I was like hey Daryl what is it is it this or is it that mm-hmm. silence no response didn't even answer me continued on and then we get notes after and he's handing out little post-it notes to everyone and he doesn't he hands me one and doesn't say anything and then mm. keeps going what did the post-it note say don't ever talk to anyone like that in this business again. You will be blackballed. What? My, yes, my. First eight- of all, you're like also the nicest person ever. I don't remember this, but I also know that you're not the type to be like, tell me what it is. Like, you're like, <laughs> I literally was like, you're the most amenable person that I know. <laughs> I was like, raise the hand, ask the question. Uh, oh my God, it scarred me. It scarred my little 18 year old mind. I was like, I can't, uh, gotta be, uh, nah. It, it was him, I, not me, but, you know. I have a memory of him, and I don't remember if it was Streetcar or it was in our scene study, but I remember you were doing a scene, and Daryl was, like, saying that he didn't believe you, and he said something like, pretend you're talking to your girlfriend. Do you remember this? Oh, no. Oh, no. And everyone... You, and everyone was like, Ugh. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> also, have you seen him? <laughs> but no, but you know what? To your credit, and I think that this is, speaks to your acting talent, but also maybe speaks to just like the homophobia inherent in the industry. Mm. You were always getting ca- cast as a straight man. I always, always. was. Uh, still yeah. am. Still am. Yeah, Thank still you. Still to this day. He ver- versatile takes on a new meaning. Okay. <laughs> I am verse. Hit me up in my DMs. And on that note, let's take a little break and we'll be right back. Hold up. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, let's talk about sophomore year because we were yes. in another play together sophomore mm-hmm. year. Um, yes, but you... that is when our friendship was fully solidified. Yes, yes. And dare I say, what's so interesting is that sophomore year is when I left Michigan and, and went to study graphic design. But I think sophomore year made the biggest imprint on me creatively mm. and also gave me the most tangible relationships of my whole college experience. And I wasn't mm. even there the full year, which I, I think is, is really beautiful. We were cast in a performance art piece called After a Fashion, where we were essentially writing the show ourselves mm-hmm. with a group of actors and um, this performance artist named Holly Hughes. And you and I uh, were, pa- I don't even know how we were paired together, but we started writing this series called The Black Reps. We were the representatives for the entire black race. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like funny in, in and of itself, a joke in and of itself that nobody yes. kind of got, but. I mean, mean, that was what was so funny is that there were only, I'm going to say there was you, me, and Kevin. Were there any other black people on the show? We were the only black people on the show. And so we came up with this bit and and we just, man, it, it was so beautiful because you and I have had such very different life experiences, but at the same time, such similar life experiences. Mm -hmm. And it was really this like surreal moment of me telling you about growing up in West Palm beach and going to Catholic school and you telling me about growing up in Minnesota and us being like, it's like looking in a mirror. (laughs) What's happening here? (laughs) Well, and we've talked about this for years, but it, it is one of the first times that I, had that experience of being seen in that way because it yeah. you know growing up uh, and where I grew up it's a very solitary experience right to be a black kid and be in a very white place and to have the same experiences that we then infuse in black reps right um yeah. it felt so freeing you know yeah. I felt like uh to your point about what it gave you as a writer as a young as a young person it felt so free to be like oh wait I can talk about these things yeah. oh, because someone else experienced them they're just not they're not just in my head you know what I yeah. mean yeah and we and it was also one of these moments and I I don't want to put words in your mouth but for me as somebody who had gone to predominantly white schools I never felt safe enough to voice my discomfort oftentimes Mm. being the only black person in the room and knowing that things were being said to me that I didn't agree with but I didn't really know how to verbalize like why I didn't like them or or what they were and I didn't want to call them racist right, right. because that's the worst thing you, know, you can call anyone in this country the worst thing that you can say and like these white people are my friends and like you know they don't really mean it and and so we found such like beautiful camaraderie in the process of of writing those sketches and I will never forget Ooh. this is probably this is probably mm. uh, the Jerry's class moment is is high on the list, but this <laughs> yes. one, this one is probably above it, and I didn't want to start there. So, we wrote this sketch where I was a police officer, and yes. you, you were I was a just tur- like a driver. 
you were just a driver and i pulled you over and the joke was that i was interrogating you a random black man about another crime that had happened (laughs) that was totally unrelated to you do you, rem- do you I remember? I do, this? I do, and like Fran, we we guys, we we wrote this sketch, and when Fran and I were writing it, we couldn't get through it because we thought it was so fucking funny. We were we were dying. Like the, I I was the cop, and I was like, yeah, yeah, and why did he rob the bank? And you're like, I, I like, don't fucking sir, know. I don't know who you're talking about. Who what? are you talking? And I'm like, his name was Jim, and you're like, I don't know a Jim. We just like, we just thought it was hilarious. It, <laughs> I mean, whatever. It wasn't revolutionary, but it was right. very funny to us in the moment because yeah. it was really speaking to this common experience that we were having as the few black people on campus where right. people were asking us to speak for other black people or they were confusing us with other black people. All the time. And we just thought it was really, really funny. Well, so, and also like zooming out to like, I, I mean, giving us our 18 year old selves credit, right? Or 19. Um, we zoomed out and we're like, racial profiling in terms of police happens all the time. And mm-hmm. it happens to us on a daily basis in it like yeah. on microaggressions, dare I say, in smaller ways. And we just tethered the two together. But our fellow compatriots who we performed it for, like we, we would go away, write a sketch and like come back and bring it to the whole company of people crickets oh yeah no we we, again we could barely get through the performance because we were laughing so hard and then we did the sketch and then no one said anything (coughs) everyone was silent and i will never forget because this ended up in shit white girls say there was a a white girl (laughs) in the audience who was jewish and she said the jews were slaves too unbelievable and we were like what the fuck does that have to do with the sketch like it was so it was so funny and it was just so awkward and it really i it really bonded us together because we could not believe that the response was so i mean people were really offended they they really didn't like the sketch they were and what's funny is that like i think it bonded us because again it was that experience that we'd had our whole lives where we were like unable to say the thing we finally said the thing that we think and feel or and experience and people were like no they were like do the other funny black stuff not that Oh, right, right, right. Do the thing where you actually are representative of black people. Please, please be a stereotype. We're really, really comfortable with that. But you know what? That, that, it was so funny because when I got cast in that show, I'm curious how you felt. I was a little disappointed at first because I was like, it's not a real show. Like, I was like, what did I get cast in? Like, there's no script. There was no title. There was no theme. And I was like, wait, we're writing the show? I was so confused. And that it ended up being this really beautiful, weird, experimental thing. And I wrote, I remember I wrote a piece about um, my boobs being lopsided. Mm -hmm. And I was really like insecure about it. And then I wrote this thing and everybody laughed and everybody loved it. And people were coming up to me afterwards and they were like, I have a little boob too. Like we were hugging. and And I was like, wow, like writing is really powerful. Like this is this is like a whole new world, you know? Um, and storytelling too, like being, yeah. being vulnerable enough to tell that, right? People, mm-hmm. uh, what, what is it? What specific is universal, right? Telling Ooh. that story allows other women, you know, people to uh, say, oh my God, me too. Thank you for saying something. I feel less alone again, you know? Yeah, I hadn't had that as an actor. What? How were you feeling when you got cast in that show? Uh, same, same. I literally was like, oh, uh, what, what is this? And I mm-hmm. also just, 
didn't know, I didn't have the agency I have now to say, hey, I have an idea. Hey, I have a, uh, an opinion, a thought. So I was kind of nervous, but not dissimilar to yourself. I found out through our work together uh, and the show that I was like, oh shit, no, I, I can say something. I do have something to say. And, and uh, again, I feel seen with you and the idea that like uh, my experience is valuable because other people have it. Um, it gave me a lot. And I really um, now like that kind of work. I love yeah. rehearsal more than I do performance, actually. Yeah, the rehearsal process was really cool. We we wrote so many things that didn't even end up in the show, but just mm -hmm. the process of writing and, and learning how to give each other notes and feedback and like punching up. Like it was a really incredible experience. Um, sophomore year, I was also in The Nutcracker, which hmm. we did we did the play version of the ballet, which like whatever. And Wait, I was the tell, rat tell, queen. Tell the kids about your costume though. Oh my god. I was so fucking pissed. Like, so I get cast as the rat queen, and then I have this giant three-headed mouse head, so you can't even see my face. Mm -mm. And um, the microphone was through like a weird voice box. So I was like, <laughs> like I couldn't even hear that it was me. And my, my poor mother, my mother was in a great sport. Like she came up to see me, but she was very much like, um, <laughs> so. <laughs> what are we paying for? And I think that that combined with, I lost my scholarship. I had a scholarship my freshman year. Mm. And then sophomore year, I don't know if you remember that all the faculty voted who was going to get the scholarship. It was not need-based. It was mm. the faculty said, you know, here's who we're going to vote for. And I didn't get the scholarship. And so I was working a job on campus. And then I was in the show. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, we also did Goodnight Desdemona. Were you in that, oh, too? Oh, God, I was in that. It was such <laughs> what a terrible show. Well, I'm sorry for the writer and whoever directed that. But it was a, it was just a terrible show. I was just, I was truly feeling like, what am I doing here? This is really expensive. And I got a job on, at the School of Public Health, uploading uh, documents to their website. I had a little bit of HTML background from like middle school. I was getting paid like 20 bucks an hour. And I was like, yo, this uh, is so it. I was like, yo, I'm rich, bitch. <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, I decided I was going to change majors to graphic design, but there was no graphic design program at Michigan. There really wasn't? No, there wow. really wasn't. I mean, again, this was 2003. It was still... What I really wanted to do was do web design. Mm -hmm. There was no web design program. The close, And I was Googling. The closest I found was graphic design. There was no graphic design and so I found the Art Institute in Miami and they didn't even have a web program. It was really? a graphic design program. Wow. Yeah, and I was like, well, you know, I have Photoshop, I know how to draw. And there was some like web stuff, but there was no web major. Um, and so I decided that I was gonna leave and move back to Florida. And, um, you know, it was kind of like shocking that I was like, I'm leaving. <laughs> Tell me about it. like, and it was shocking, Fran, it came out of, it felt like it came out of nowhere because you didn't really mention it to anybody until you were like, literally, I remember you like hopping out of a car to say, to hug me goodbye. Aww. And I was like, oh God, okay, great. And you were like, but we'll, very, very Fran. You're like, oh no, but we'll talk. It's okay. And I was like, <laughs> wait, wait, what? You're leaving? I, yeah, yeah. It was, that was... Did you, did you think that we would stay in touch? Because to your point, you know when you when you sign when you sign the yearbook and the what's mm. that lady's name cinnamon cinnamon toast crunch when it's like we all go 
It's not better than Cinnamon Toast Crunch. It's vitamin oh, C. vitamin C. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Sorry no. to that woman. <laughs> sorry to that woman. Sorry to this man. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't uh, know. But, you know, when we go on, uh, on together. So you sign the yearbook and you're like, TTYL. And then you fucking never talk to that person again. Oh you never God. see them again. You don't. You don't. I. I so honest, did you think that was going to happen to us? Uh, totally. Totally. Well, not not that I didn't think that we would stay in touch. You know, like I uh, I thought we'd stay in touch. But, like, I just didn't. I don't know. I didn't have anything beyond like high school to gauge at that point to say like, oh, I have these lifelong friends. And I felt like I just found you, you know, I just like found somebody that, oh, God, don't get me crying. Right. Um, I just found somebody that like I felt seen by and like um, and I I connected with and I come out of my shell so much um, because of that show and that experience with you that the idea that like, you know, you were going to be gone was was heartbreaking. And the way you did it, you're like, peace out. Um, (laughs) Bye. Um, but also, like, I back to that thing about the agency you had at that age, right? Like, the idea that, like, you can make such a monumental decision and be like, hey, yo, this isn't right for me. I'm going, you know? Um, and what a success it was and, like, made the right decision for yourself, you know? But I, I didn't have that then, you know? Yeah, I, it's, it's so funny you say that because I just didn't think of it that way. But to your earlier point about, like, even when I've been at my most insecure, and maybe this is like the only child in me, and maybe this is Lerner Ramsey, my mother, but like, I'm not gonna do anything I don't wanna do. Oh, listen, I'm, no, I'm not doing I, this. I know Mm-mm. she won't. <laughs> I know. The answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> Survey says no. Like, I just was like, Mm-mm, this is not it. I don't like this anymore. I feel like there's just better use of my time. Um, and so I decided to leave. I will also say one last thing about, about your leaving. You know, uh, I said this to you before, but if it wasn't for you really doing the legwork of like calling and, and I mean, coming it's to surprising. visit. surprising. I guys, came up to see one of your oh, shows. God, here yeah. it goes. She came up. Oh, God, here it goes. Uh, she like surprised me my, my senior year and nobody, like my family didn't come to my shows, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it just meant so much to me that you, and you continue to do that. You know, you like showed up yeah. for my last Broadway show. Like um, and that just means so much like, God, no. here I go. Uh, no, you I, fucking, no, you I, paid for. I, I had no money, and like you would pay for me to come see you in Miami all the time, right? Yeah. Like you really did the legwork to make sure that like our our friendship, you know. Uh, yeah. Oh God. Well, I mean, I, look, I I did it because, like, to your point about feeling seen, like I had just, I had never connected with somebody the way that I connected with you, and I just knew. Even though I was like, bye, I'm leaving. I knew. I was like, oh, we're absolutely going to stay friends. We're absolutely going to stay friends. I will call you. I will text you. I'll come and visit. You'll come and visit. And, you know, even like now here we are 20 years later, I knew when we worked together on that show, I was like, this is a special relationship that I don't want to get rid of. And I don't know when we'll work together again, but I know we will. Mm. And so like, it's this beautiful full circle moment to talk about how our friendship was formed in acting school and to now have a podcast where we're talking about like 
acting school and and how we could make it better and and what we learned from and the experience. Our origins. Right, right. Yeah. So you stayed at Michigan. I um, did. What was the rest of the program like? It sounds like, you know, you had the similar experience that I did where at first you were like, what are we doing? But then it started to click for you. It really did. Some of it did. Um, the acting class started to, to click, but I think the best thing that, that I got from that whole experience was the voice and speech stuff. That that really showed me how to how important that is not only in, in theatrical performance but just and and going on to go on to sing and all that kind of stuff uh yeah i the clown class my our senior year that was really amazing challenged like i've never been challenged in my life um i stay to this day my time at michigan was obviously so formative but the the best four years up to that point in my life just the agency and like developing and growing but also finding the second layer of theater right it, it was mm. fun i enjoyed it and i wanted to continue doing it and that's how i got into it um but then i found like the craft of it and i found why it's important and i found that being a how important storytelling is to our culture don't get me started yeah. and society and how i think theater tv and film if it if it tries if it attempts to it can really move a social dial it can really ask questions of society and that's kind of what the latter half of it it taught me um yeah oh that's so interesting and i again like one of the things i love about our friendship is i feel like we're continuously learning things about each other even though i know you so innately mm. i don't think i'd ever really heard you put into words what theater training unlocked for you about the process of acting right uh, and and then I moved to New York. <laughs> <laughs> and then you were like, I hate this. <laughs> and then I literally was like, I hate this, and I ran away. I was here for six months, and I ran away. Uh, went to grad school because I thought, you know, I'll eventually want to teach because that was drilled into my head by my my high school theater professor. And then I went to grad school and floundered because musical theater despite my thinking that it's similar it is different it's a different yeah. training grad school that's a whole nother podcast i would give yeah. that back if but i could know, get rid of those loans I, your grad school experience was so similar to my experience going to school for graphic mm. design because you know you were the top dog actor and then you went to grad school for musical theater and you i remember us being on the phone and you were like fran i hate this I Terrible. like the singing is killing me the dancing my whole body hurts this is really hard I had the same experience in design school where I was so creative and I was like, I know how to use Photoshop. And then I got to school and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I remember like a first first class, you got like a really bad grade and you were yeah, shocked. Yeah, I think I got like a D and I was, I, was, I was like, what did I do? I was like, I think I made a huge mistake. And all of my tricks that I was so used to employing, like being funny and taking mm. up space, like none of that worked in design <laughs> school. Everyone was like very quiet and studious. And they were like, what is that girl doing? I was like, yeah, da, da, da. <laughs> like dancing around. And everyone's like at their computer quietly working. It's <laughs> like, what is wrong with that girl? Yeah, none of it, none of it worked for me. And it really took me time to get my footing. But I will say that that's where you and I are really similar is we don't back down from a challenge. We're yes. like, this is hard, but that's why I'm gonna keep doing it and I'm gonna push through. And so I'm, I'm really glad that I did. And and obviously it paid off for both of us, right? You went on to be on Broadway and, you know, yes. um, tour with all these different shows and 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 counsel students on their journey to get into acting programs. I mean, obviously we're, doing well for ourselves no we're killing it and i think i think it it, it does it is a testament to the people we are and when uh, again i'll 
say one of the things I love about you is when you were in graphic design school, you were still performing. You were still <laughs> doing, doing stand up and making YouTube videos. And you were like one of the first people I knew to make a YouTube video. You were sending me like impressions of you doing Tyra Banks. And I was like, man, what the fuck is this video? <laughs> like, what is this? Fast forward and she's like, you know, a social celebrity, a social That's is, media so celebrity. Funny. Yeah, no, everybody was like, what are you doing? It, it was, it was such a weird time to now look back on because I I was like this is where it's at this is what's going on and now here we are and everybody's making social media content right. so you know before we move on to our, our fix segment my question for you is did you think that acting school prepared you for the reality of being a working actor and was it worth it um yes and no um, there are definitely things that I, I wish had happened. I, I wish that I could have studied abroad, actually. Actually, mm. if I could go back and I had, we had money when I grew up growing up, I would actually love to like take a year off and mm. just experience some stuff. I would have double majored. I love languages. I think I would have been a double majored in Spanish or a couple of languages. So I, I just don't think that I, I think I like, jumped the gun and just went for this thing i'm fine i'm yeah fine for it but it also did give me a really solid training i learned stuff i mean i'm looking at my theater books here right here right now half of which are from my uh experience at michigan so i, I learned a lot and i'm a better actor for it but mm -hmm. um i think i would change like m small things but okay. you i wouldn't say I wouldn't characterize it you giving up on it, but you just was like, you were like, this is, I've done this, this is not for yeah, me. Yeah, you know, and here's the thing, I, even though I left acting school, I did get a lot out of it, and I think, I mean, not not for me to start crying, but I felt like you were the thing that I got out of it. Mm. I was like, I'm good. I was like, I got my man, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did get some great friendships. I, I'm still friends with a number of people from our class. And I think it also expanded my worldview. Like I met so many different people. Mm. Um, and to your earlier point about like seeing so many black people on campus, like I really felt like I got in touch with who I am as a black person at Talk Michigan. Mm -hmm. um, I got to be surrounded by so many different kinds of black people, like people from the continent, um, yes. people, you know, from, from Europe. And I was like a black person with a British accent. What is that? Like, you know, <laughs> I'm totally the same cultural, cultural shock in a weird I was way. Like, right. Mm, you're black. And they were like, no, I'm not, I'm, you know, whatever. And it was, it was really an expansive experience for me. Um, but the whole purpose of this episode and this show is to talk about where we could kind of, you know, punch up, make things a little bit better. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will jump into the fix. Let me, let me fix it. Uh -uh. Let, let me, me fix it. it. So now that we've unpacked what acting school was like, it's time to fix it. Um, Delon, why don't you go first? Uh, so I think via After a Fashion as the great example of writing, I, and, and to your point about having a very diverse, um, a more diverse education as an artist, mm -hmm. I would love for the program to not only have had us do, you know, work in the costume shop and work in the prop shop and scenic and lighting and all those things to give us a well-rounded education theatrically, I would have loved for us to be like, hey, here's a writing course, not not mm. like academic writing, but here's like a creative writing course. And you could major in playwriting and you could dabble in playwriting, um, but 
we were such a conservatory within a liberal arts setting so we our our program was set you know yeah um so i would love a, a little bit more of an opportunity to kind of make it a la carte and design yeah. the experience you want to have a little bit more I, I would love way more of a focus on on consuming art mm. consuming film consuming tv consuming theater like we saw shows at our school but i didn't feel like now I'm. I want to see stuff because I want to learn. I want to see stuff right. because I want to. I want to have the cultural um, currency or cachet, and I didn't do enough of that. I think one of the other things I would say. I guess the last thing is I've learned a lot as a teacher about acting. I've learned mm. so much about how to act by teaching it, how to explain it, how to access emotions, um, how to uh, explain the human experience, like the human behavior, you know, which is a huge part of acting. And I wish that I had more, maybe obviously a latter half of my, uh, my tenure at Michigan, I wish I had an opportunity to teach a little bit more. Um, mm. Yeah. What almost you? kind of like being a, being like almost like a teacher's assistant, but for acting. 1000%. There's oh. also the practical things. Could someone have taught us taxes, how to do our taxes as an artist? That was going to be my first one is like the actual business of being an actor yes. is something that I really wish. And again, I didn't finish acting school, but I know because of you and, and other friends that have studied acting, talk to us about filing your taxes, keeping your receipts, mm. keeping all your shit organized, what you can write off, right? Like yes. as an actor, you can write off going to the gym. You can write off getting your haircut. You can write off going and buying your makeup for your auditions, like that's all stuff that would have been really helpful. And then also like the power of marketing and branding and networking, like that's all stuff that I learned post-college when I worked for the city of Miami Beach. Just the importance of staying in touch with people, following mm, up, you yes. know, staying top of mind. And maybe that's not a full class, but like that could have been a workshop or a seminar and just talking about the importance of, and not because you want to get something out of it, right? right like we're right. not staying friends because I think you're going to cast me in something. But when you look at the Ben Afflecks and the Matt Damons of the world, like staying in touch is how people continue to work. Like building your network. I, it's just building your network. And they, they really, and, and I think the thing that bothered me in hindsight, and while I was there, I was struggling with this, is it was so competitive, and we weren't talking about the realities of, when you are out in the real world, Francesca is not gonna be playing the fucking rat queen. Ready. I, I, these are part, we are all fighting for these roles that we're never gonna play. You are gonna play the sister, you're gonna play the mom, uh -huh. you're gonna play the whatever. And so we should not be seeing each other as competition. We should be working together so that when we get out of acting school, we can, you know, network and write shows and make sketches and put each other in things. And and it was just, it was very much like us versus each other the entire yeah. time. And I really didn't like that. Another thing that I'm thinking about a lot these days at the current state of our industry, self-tapes. How to do a self-tape at home, how to get your lighting together, how to frame yourself, like how to do like a little bit of a quick little edit, just like right. a lot of the practical, tangible shit. And then one thing that I think would have been really huge is something around mental health, body image, mm. burnout, 
I mean, you and I talk about this all the time. This career is a marathon, not a sprint. Talk about it. And we know so many talented people that just got burnt out by this industry. And nobody talked to us about the realities of you get out here and it's a lot of no's. I remember I was at a casting one time and um, the casting guy told me, you're very pretty, but your teeth, your gums are too big and you should fix that. You should work on that. Oh my God. And I remember being like really upset about it. And I started thinking like, should I get surgery to like fix my mouth? Like, and remember at our school, we had like a a big problem with like eating disorders. There were a a You and I basically had one freshman year. We were... We were we were eating we tuna. Were eating tuna and <laughs> like <laughs> drinking protein shakes. Literally and like working out twice a day and like crazy. But it was it was almost encouraged. Nobody yeah. talked to us about like taking care of your body and and you know, exercising and prioritizing your eating habits. And then you get out into the industry and you're getting all of these messages about what your body should look like and who's booking and who's not and, and you're having to watch people that you grew up with or went to school with they're succeeding and you're not and it starts really messing with your head yeah and i wish that that had been an open conversation like the realities of this industry will beat you down and if you don't know who you are this is not the place for you well and you're so right and i think you know what the their fucked up version of that was if you can think of anything else you can do with your life go do that because this is hard like net you know like it was very um not only pejorative but it was and and like a warning but it was jaded and so cynical because all of our professors were former Mm. people who went to theater school who were Mm. now professors and not that's that's the real tea right yeah and you're so right it was definitely said in a way of like you know, we were fucking around a rehearsal and people were being silly. And then it was like, you know what? If you don't want to be here when it was not said in a way of like, you know, love the craft and like, you know, you're going to have to really put in a lot of work before you get somewhere. It was kind of like you're fucking around right now. So obviously you don't want to act. So you should go do something else. Right. Right. And I mean, how about just we were 18? How about we were like, our brains weren't fully fucking developed. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. How about Goodnight Desdemona ain't fucking engaging enough for me to want to pay attention? I I fell asleep and I was on stage. Okay. (laughs) Um, So now to segue to, I think, our favorite segment, The Glow Up, where we give props to those who have turned themselves around without Francesca and I. Fran, let's Mm -hmm. hear yours first. What do you got? My glow up this week goes to Miss Catherine Heigl. Hmm. Um, as you might remember, in the 2000s, Catherine was popping. She was in Grey's Anatomy. She was in Knocked Up with Seth Rogen. She was huh. in 27 Dresses. She was like, you know, the hot it girl of the moment. She was like the new and Sandra she, Bullock for a while. She really was that girl. Mm-hmm. And then she was dubbed one of Hollywood's most difficult actresses after she did an interview with Vanity Fair in 2008, where she criticized her role in Knocked Up. She said that the film was a little sexist in its portrayal of women women which it's so funny when i was doing this research i was like she wasn't wrong though at all (laughs) at all like like, let's just look at the pairing of seth rogan and katherine heigl Hmm. in Hmm. what in what world right like this beautiful woman with this like schlubby guy 
which is the thing that we always see. Mm-hmm. And she was being honest about the fact that her character was really painted as this like harpy, naggy, uptight versus like the lovable goofball. Whereas like in the movie, she had every right to be uptight. Like homegirl got pregnant and she was like, my life is ruined. And Seth right. Rogen was like, no, it's not. This is great. Like, <laughs> let's be together. <laughs> yeah. Like we'll, let's live together. Like, you know, it was, it was, it was a comedy. Right. But right. she was allowed to say that, but it really had people turning against her. And then Seth Rogen and Judd Apatow, who wrote the film, went on Howard Stern, ironically, of all mm. places. And they were really just like, we just can't believe that she said that. They they really kind of fed in this narrative of, well, we were always really nice to her. And like, the movie was great. How could she say it was sexist? Like, we can't just, they were the damsels in distress in that mm. situation. And then the same year, um, Catherine Heigl withdrew herself from her Emmy consideration for Grey's Anatomy. And this is where she really fucked up. Homegirl came out and was like, yeah, I just like the writing was really bad this season. So I am just not going to submit for an Emmy. She had already won an Emmy for the show. And she was like, "Mm, I already got one. This uh, writing wasn't really that good. And um, Shonda Rhimes was rightfully pissed off about it. And Catherine left the show in 2010. And it really hurt her career. People Mm. did not want to work with her. She did little bit parts here and there, but her star was not as high as it was after she had been on Grey's and won all these Emmys. And she's since walked back to those comments and said that she was, you know, naive and, and on her high horse. But now she is the exec producer and star of a show on Netflix called Firefly Lane. And it is a very well-reviewed and respected show. She just did um, the Actors on Actors for Variety with her former Grey's co-star Ellen Pompeo. And she's kind of having this renaissance moment where folks are talking about the fact that she was unfairly maligned just because she had the nerve to say you know the role was sexist and it wasn't like a diss uh, it was just her honest feeling lots of people come out and say like yeah i did that movie and it sucked yeah but they really got on her ass and i will say the Grey's anatomy comment was not smart but like the fact that dudes can literally like rape people <laughs> Everyone's and like, still have their careers a, he's such a good actor though <laughs> he's a great louis ck i mean he's gonna is he gonna be out of here forever, forever i mean guys? listen he showed some women his dick without their consent but he's funny like it's just the double standard is bonkers it's but she's obviously very talented and i just i don't know i think it's really cool that despite that she didn't give up she stayed in the industry and now she's kind of having her her glow up moment and lots of people are enjoying the show and she was smart to get that executive producer check she said you're not gonna write me out my own show fran knows well i will say this (laughs) i mean two things can be true at the same time right she definitely was on her high horse and believing that her her shit didn't stink her star Mm -hmm. was very bright so there's a way to like say the things she said and like you know to be a little bit more diplomatic a little bit more like well here's my opinion but she just like here's my opinion uh, and I don't care. But at the same time, yeah. like, why is it that that happens to so many fucking women? Sinead don't let O'Connor, her be a black woman. She wouldn't have a glow up at listen, all. Listen, <laughs> I mean, we're about to, we have an episode coming about Eartha Kitt. Same thing happened to Eartha, right? Mm-hmm. Stay tuned, friends. But it was like, she said one thing and like could not work, was blacklisted, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, it happens to Sinead O'Connor. Like I said, you know, RIP. Yes. But like, she made a political statement for a very justified reason and everyone cut her out. Turn 
turned on her. Turned yeah. on her, you know? It happens to women so much. The industry is truly so, so fickle and, and kind of related to our topic of acting school. Just the resolve that you need to say, I'm gonna push through, you really have to be delusional. <laughs> you have to be like, you know, you gotta be delulu to say, I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna yeah. keep going. People don't like me. I'm not booking. It's not working for me, but my time is coming. And shout out to Katherine Heigl. It obviously paid off for her. Um, what is your glow up this week? Well, you know me. I'm always uh, talking about some news. Um, <laughs> uh, my glow up is organized labor. Like, I know Ooh. we are a country that supports organized labor. Not big business, right? Not right. the Fortune 500. But support for unions went up af after the pandemic. So it was like 65% just among the public. And it went up to 71%. And aside from our very clear bias of, you know, the Writers Guild, the WG, WGA and mm -hmm. SAG after the Actors Union both being on strike this year, the employees from a Starbucks location in Buffalo, they were the first Starbies to ever unionize back in 2021. Oh, wow. um, yeah. And now, since Buffalo, 280 of the 9,300 corporate locations have unionized that's so, like, incredible it's insane um in april of 2022 uh an amazon warehouse in staten island won a bid to, to unionize the first for amazon they are still the only certified union for, uh, of amazon employees in the u.s and then there was another one um another warehouse in coventry england that attempted to unionize now amazon is fighting both of these but it's just chipping away at it right yeah um ups just averted a walkout with the international Brotherhood of Teamsters. One of the big things, it, it sounds so small, but one of the big things on the table in that negotiation was just getting part-time employees a $5 raise from $16 to $21. Like which, not even a ton of money, but at the same time, that's life-changing. You know what I'm saying? And let's just be frank, like the wealth disparity in this country and in the world is just so stark and ridiculous that the only way the bottom 90%, 98% of us can can sustain a middle-class life is to take it to these billionaires who have, for, for some reason, feel entitled to be billionaires. Thank yeah. you, capitalism. I mean, do you need billions of dollars? And the only thing we can do is just say, you know what, it's not working for us. And so we need to renegotiate. This is a really great one because I definitely think the perception of unions is changing because there are a lot of people who've been seeing the strikes, whether it be the Writers Guild or SAG or you know the potential strike with UPS, and there have been people that are like, oh, why do they think they need something? And other folks are turning around saying, why don't you deserve more? Thank why you. What, what's going on with you? Why aren't you standing up? Why aren't you on strike? And it seems like it's starting to raise class consciousness with people that have always had that crabs in a barrel mentality and now they're like yo we need to stand up it's we time to, man it's time go. it's time to start stop talking about the wealth disparity and actually like what are the action steps because mm -hmm. you know people have kids people have bills it's we can't sustain this and i think also personal note not that i received one because i was in a different tax bracket was being the operative word but <laughs> when when the pandemic you know came down and the u.s government was just like checks mm -hmm. everybody get a check so you they get could a check. do mm -hmm. so that, you could have done this a long time ago this is what's mind-boggling to me i'm like y'all gave people two thousand everyone two thousand dollar checks multiple times mm -hmm. and then you're out here talking about we're cutting 
Medicaid, there's too much welfare, there's too much this, there's too much that. No, y'all are just sitting on cash and saying no to people when people yeah. are out here struggling, you know? Yeah, I mean, it is a weird time and it's a stressful time, but to your point about, you know, unions and, and collective bargaining having a moment, my hope is that this is going to mobilize people for the better and make people say like, wait a second, when we come together and stand up, it actually works. So why not do more of that? I mean, it's it's a really powerful thing. And, and at the end of the day, nobody got their rights by asking nicely. Talk about mm, it. Can I can I have some more? Can I have some more rights? Get out of here, Oliver Twist. Sorry about a full circle moment. That's not how it happens. Oh, right. You gotta fucking stand up and demand that shit. For real. All right, friends, we would like to hear from you as we're wrapping up the show. We realize that you probably did not go to acting school, but we still want to know, were there any fixes that really spoke to you? And what about your college experience? Is there anything that you would change? Please let us know. Or maybe you'd like to suggest a TV show, celeb, or brand we could fix in a future episode. Please let us know. Hit us up on Instagram at fixitpod. And if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to give us a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening. I'm Francesca. I'm Delon. And this was Let Me Fix It.